This podcast is brought to you by SellingProfile.com. Hi, my name is Derek. Thank you so much for listening to the Stalk the Talk podcast. My guest today is Matt from the Not 606 Leeds United Board, where he goes under the name of Ellen and runs the breakfast debate every morning. Well worth a look if you want to have a chat about Leeds United. So let's get into it. Hi Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me again. How are things going, mate? Yeah, really good, thanks, you. No complaints. So let's talk about the Liverpool game on Sunday first because there's this debacle going on with the Brazil FA and FIFA um, banning players that didn't want to travel to a red list country. So um, Leeds are going to lose Rafinha and Liverpool are going to lose three of their Brazilian stars, Alisson, Fabinho and uh, Firmino. How do you think the game will go on Sunday um, with these players out? And also, do you think FIFA are right to actually uphold Brazil's complaint when the game got abandoned after seven minutes anyway because COVID rules were broken? Yeah, very good question. Firstly, uh, if we talk about Rafinha, uh, in my opinion, he is our most creative player. Uh, Nothing happens without him being involved in it. He may not have the pace that Dan James has got, but what he does have is his foresight. Uh, his skill is immense, and I can see him playing um, maybe towards the um, maybe number 10 role in, in the future. But, yeah, if he's not playing on Sunday, he's going to be a big miss for Leeds. Although, of course, we do have Dan James, um, who is a natural replacement. And, um, you know, if, if we had a choice with us being without our, well, one of our star players and Liverpool being without three of their star players, then um, it probably gives us a slight, a very slight advantage. Although, of course, they do have more strength and depth than us. That's a good point, because um, if you look at those three Brazil players in the Liverpool team, you know, that's right down their spine, isn't it? You know, the goalkeeper, we know is world class. Fabinho, who does such an incredible job sitting in front of the defence, breaking up attacks and then and then building from the back. And then obviously Fabinho, who plays in the 9-10 type of role, sitting on Calvin Phillips, stopping him playing, and then also having Salah playing off him. You have to think seriously that it's going to um, harm Liverpool more than it's going to harm Leeds. So, that being said, what do you think the result's going to be on Sunday? Do you think Leeds have got a chance? They'll need to play like they did last season, and I just can't see that. Um, So far, we haven't seen a really positive uh, response. I think the closest one was against um, Everton, and obviously the Elms Road crowd played a massive part in that. Yeah. But... Truth be known, I I think we'd probably lose by a couple of goals. Okay, I think that we've got a chance. I think I think we've got a chance of at least a point and potentially um, turning them over. And I think it just depends on how uh, Leeds set up and play. Um, so I don't think we'll play three at the back against Liverpool because they play with the one striker. Um, and also three at the back. I don't think we look entirely comfortable in terms of getting the ball out of defence to attack very quickly. Um, I think that a draw I would take right now, um, but I think there's a chance of a win. So I'm going to go 1-1. What do you okay. reckon? I would, 
I'd bite your hand off for a 1-1. One, one. Um, I think it very much depends on whether uh, both Click and Furpo are playing. Uh, both had COVID a couple of weeks ago and are both um, only rated at 50-50. And um, Dallas is having some personal problems, which kept him out of the recent inter international break. Um, these are obviously uh, first-team players for us. These are like dead certs for us. And um, the question will be, without, let's say, Furpo and Dallas, who's going to play um, down the left side? And, um, you know, Liverpool are just going to exploit that. Well, you could have Harrison going to left back with Dan Jones in front of him. I mean, we don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens um, in terms of that. Um, hopefully all our players are fit and we can put out as close to a full strength team as possible. Because again, this season so far, we haven't been able to do that. So, so, no. so hopefully we can do that. Yeah, I think it will be nice to see Jamie Shackleton play. Um, he's probably been one of our most consistent players this term. And, um, yeah, it'll be nice to have him um, uh, well, uh, working his magic. Right, so what's your score then? Um, I'm going to go for a 2-0 Liverpool. Ouch. I'm not having you on again. <laughs> 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 okay, 2-0 it is for you to Liverpool. I'm going 1-1. Um, and then FIFA, do you think they're right to uphold this ridiculous ban? It's an absolute travesty. Um, how can anybody expect players which are worth tens of millions of pounds to travel to a blacklisted country, um, and, uh, you know, supposedly having to quarantine, ignoring that quarantine, and, uh, and playing the game, and then coming back to the UK, where again, they would have to quarantine. It, it doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't make sense. And the key thing for me is it's not about whether or not you want to play for your country or you or anything like that. I don't think that's in question. I think it's about forcing players to travel to a red list country where there's a chance they could get ill. I mean, you know, if a player looks at it and goes, for my own personal safety, I don't want to travel to Brazil right now because it's red list and there's a threat there uh, because of uh, COVID and there's a reason they're red listed. Um, so I want to look after my health and my family and my career. So right now, I don't think it's right for me to go to a red list country. In, let's put it this way. If I was on holiday right now, would I go to Brazil on holiday? No. So why the heck would I go there to want to go and play a football match um, where I could get infected? So for me, it's a nonsensical um, ban. Then also the fact, Matt, that the game got abandoned and the police, etc., went onto the field after seven minutes abandoned oh, the, the game. Argentina match. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, I mean, I mean, <laughs> surely FIFA needs to just look at that incident alone and go, well, it's a non-contest anyway, so the, if the players didn't go, it doesn't matter. You just wouldn't read about it, would you? Police invading the pitch after, after seven minutes. I know. You know, it, uh, it's, it's madness. Matt, I totally agree with you, you know, that the whole fever thing was a debacle and hopefully they can fix it. So let's move on to our summer transfer deadline day signing, Dan James. Good or bad? Absolutely inspirational. Love the guy. I can see him scaring defences to death this season. Uh, his pace is electrifying. This is the first time 
I've seen Leeds actually have a game changer, somebody which can, well, turn a game on its head. Uh, so, yeah, really excited about him. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, I was I was absolutely thrilled when when I heard Leeds were were going to get him because once Ronaldo decided he's going to go to Manchester, which was great, um, because that then opened the door for Dan James to leave. And I think Manchester United have missed a trick with a really talented young player. Um, I watched him on uh, Wednesday night for Wales against Estonia, and my goodness his pace is just something else you know um, he, he was quite happy to knock the ball 10 yards past the defender and just scoot past him into space and the interesting thing was that every time he got the ball out wide Estonia immediately had two men on him so that already creates a problem for defenders because you know Wales should have a man free somewhere but unfortunately they weren't good enough to exploit the room that uh, James was creating by drawing defenders out to him and by being double teamed basically every time he got the ball so Estonia were very careful of of his pace and and um, always put two men on him I think with Leeds you're right he can be a game changer because he's going to get room to play in and also the Leeds players will know where to run when they give the ball to Dan James. So if an opposing team puts two defenders on him straight away, someone like Click, etc. is going to find space to then cause damage elsewhere. You talk about his electrifying pace. Yeah, um, obviously at the moment, um, on one wing we've got Harrison, on the other it's Rafinha, uh, both of which really talented players, uh, both come inward, but um, they don't, uh, you know, the one thing that's lacking is the pace. You know, what they do is great. When it's scared offences, no, probably not, because, you know, the rest of the players will backtrack. Um, as we've seen so many times, they'll get 10 men behind the ball. Now, when someone's charging at 100 miles an hour, you don't have time to get back. I agree. And, um, yeah, so hopefully um, we'll be able to exploit defensive this season, and uh, maybe you never know. Bamford might uh, might hit twenty plus. Well, also the thing is, you know, the way Leeds play uh, so effectively on the counter attack. I remember. Um when he was at Swansea, um, it was against Bristol City, a home game for them. Uh, Bristol were attacking because they needed a goal. And um, Dan James got the ball, I think, just outside his penalty area. I think it was from a corner. And he just ran the length of the pitch and stuck it in the back of the net. And it was incredible to see the Bristol team chasing him and not getting near him. Um, <laughs> You know, and he just went straight down the middle, um, dinked the ball past the keeper, an absolutely superb goal. And when I saw that, I thought, this guy is a perfect Bielsa player because that is exactly the way Leeds play. And, and if they can get him on the ball, running into space, even if it's from deep, um, it's going to do a lot of damage. And I think the key thing for Leeds is that um, if we score first, then other teams have... A problem because they have to come on to us they have to attack to get a goal back and once that space is there and you're getting the likes of Rafinha well, Harris we are very dangerous on the counter exactly once these guys are getting into that space with the pace that they break at um you know it's it's frightening and Dan James in particular oh my word I'm so excited I cannot wait to see this guy in a lead shirt yep and he knows where the back of the net is too 
Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, people were, I know there were people complaining about, oh, they paid too much money for him. I don't think so. I think it's a steal for a talent of that age. Yeah, I think he's still only 22. You know, and a British talent as well, remember, you know, um, very important now to get British players in your squad. So I think, I think Leeds have done really well to get him away from Manchester United. Yeah, it's uh, never easy against, let's say, an arch rival, especially when uh, so many other clubs were chase, chasing a signature. So, uh, yeah, 25 million, I don't have a problem with that whatsoever. I agree. And also, I think it was really telling that he only wanted to come to Leeds. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's always nice to be wanted. The uh, BL's effect uh, made, uh, obviously made a, a massive difference and um, it's quite close to home. Um, don't know where he lives, but um, uh, obviously um, in the short term he can commute and um, hopefully um, settle somewhere nearby and have a long and illustrious career at Elm Road. Well, exactly. I mean, his family lives up in Yorkshire anyway and an hour away from Leeds. So I think it's, it's all worked out well in the end. And we finally got our man. So I think from me, thumbs up. Yeah, um, I think uh, originally, I think he was born in Hull. Could be wrong. So um, obviously he's a, a Yorkshire lad before um, going to Swansea. So um, coming back to his roots, um, absolutely delighted. Yeah, I'm really, really pleased Dan James has joined us. Definitely a game changer, I think. Now, another transfer that didn't get across the line, Lewis O'Brien. It was quite interesting, Matt, to hear Town's um, chairman yesterday come out and say that apparently Leeds had bid $13 million for Lewis O'Brien and he turned them down. What are your thoughts on that? Talented lad, obviously, but we're talking about a championship player. Um, you know, can he make the step up to um, the Elland Road first team? And uh, if you remember, Bielsa was only saying he's only going to get players in that are better than what he's already got. And I honestly couldn't see who he was going to replace in midfield. I could only really see him starting maybe on the bench, coming on for the last 20 minutes, and spending 13 million is uh, absolutely ludicrous, especially when the report stated they were only after 8 million in the first place. Well, this is the thing, and I think um, the way that um, you know the, the news broke about apparently Leeds had bid 13 million maybe isn't right in context. It could well have been 13 million over five seasons if he played 100 games in those five seasons, if he got 20 international caps, if he got 30 goals. You know, with all the add-ons, eventually it would be worth 13 million over the five years of his contract. Um, so um, I think it was a bit um, naughty, really, of, of the chairman to claim that um, you know the deal was 13 million because um, it might have been in terms of add-ons but it might never have been realized so uh, a bit naughty um, and also uh, it looks like they're going to invoke his um, optional one-year contract extension at the end of the season anyway um, so they can get money for him and he doesn't leave on a free do you think Leeds will go back in for him um if they do, I think it will be in January. Uh, they're trying to get uh, the youngster signing a new contract. 
at John Smith Stadium. And if they do, obviously, um, they're just going to up the price. Um, if he uh, if he doesn't sign a new contract, then yeah, maybe uh, he wanted to go to Leeds. He wanted to progress his career. He wants to play in the Premiership, and uh, obviously uh, Bielsa uh, is probably the best person to get the most out of him. But thirteen million for an unproven Championship player, no thanks. Yeah, I agree. I think I think that if that really was the fee. Um that it was a bit much and definitely not an upfront fee. And if it was an upfront fee, then that chairman's crazy not to have taken it. Um, with regards to January, we know Bielsa hates January transfers because he can't get the player up to speed in time. Um, so it's, it's one to watch for sure. Um, I do think, though, that if he doesn't have a stellar season this season for Huddersfield in the championship, come next summer, his value is going to go down. So if Huddersfield aren't, oh, aren't in the yeah if Huddersfield aren't in the playoff places and challenging, then and he's driving them, then I can't see them um, getting a, a big offer for him in the summer from anybody in in all honesty. Um, and if he does end up in the Premier League, Burnley or Brighton might be where he ends up. So Lewis O'Brien, I think, is going to be wait and see next summer. Um, he's going to need a stellar season, I believe, in the Championship. Uh, to convince Leeds and particularly Leeds supporters that he's worth going in for again. So, Matt, let's move on to another topic here, the third kit, the Lilac third kit. How do you feel about Lilac, mate? It's not very inspirational, is it? It's not going to get, certainly not going to get me excited or going down the high street to buy it. Um, I see it... uh, you're either going to love it or hate it. I don't like it personally. I can't see the team particularly liking it or wearing it on many occasions. Well, yeah, I think I think that's the thing with a third kit. You might wear it two games in a season. Um, but I think it's just an extra revenue channel for the club. Um, and, you know, maybe selling an extra 50,000 shirts would be really good. But for me, Lilac Leeds United, oh, my goodness. I'm not so it just sure. doesn't go, does it? No, it doesn't go. So, yeah, yep. I, I mean, I, I, I don't get it. You know, um, I know Adidas are, are going, well, you know, we think that this is the kind of color that will appeal to X audience and therefore get you X uh, return in revenue. But to see a Leeds United team on a pitch in lilac, maybe, say, for instance, away at Tottenham Hotspur, just does my head in. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. So I just think um, the club thought, let's go for something against the norm. Um, unfortunately, um, it's um, you know it's just not going to appeal, especially to um, you know traditional Leeds fans. Well, also, you know, I mean, um, when you look around, how many people do you see wearing lilac? In everyday life. Seriously. Very few. Well, if any, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't get it. Anyway, look, it doesn't matter what we think. At the end of the day, the club have made a decision that this is going to sell. I hope it sells. I hope it sells 50,000. And there are 50,000 people out there who are very happy with it. And we make extra revenue. But you won't find me in a Lyak lead shirt ever. 
So, you know, I think let's just park that there. So, Matt, Patrick Bamford getting his first England cap. How do you think he went? It was great to see him, you know, don the number nine shirt. Um, he didn't get any service whatsoever. And I just hope that hasn't affected his confidence. Um, obviously, he's really hardworking. He put in a real shift for England for an hour, uh, just like he does at Elland Road. Uh, yeah, I, I just hope that, uh, well, it wasn't a, uh, it, it wasn't a positive performance. It wasn't his, uh, his birthday present that he wanted or deserved. And uh, I just hope it hasn't affected his confidence. Yeah, I was surprised at the way that Southgate handled him, actually, considering that it was a game that England never, ever looked like uh, in danger of losing. And um, also, um, when he threw on his creative players and Harry Kane, I thought he could have left Kane on the bench and let Bamford have maybe 10, 15 minutes with the creative players on the pitch and then see what happens, like a Mason Mount running in behind, getting crosses in for him, etc. Um, and as you say, then he would have had better service in better areas of the pitch and we could have seen um, a completely different performance from him. I was very disappointed. Yeah, it was all- yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It was a little bit like um, Southgate had his B team and he wanted to then get rid of his B team and introduce his A team. Yeah, so I felt that, you know, England didn't really give Bamford the right kind of service um, uh, and didn't try and play through Andorra enough. Uh, A lot of shots from distance. And I just think that if they had... You know, got in place with the byline more, got more crosses in, uh, looked for Bamford's runs because he made some brilliant runs and never got the ball. Um, it could have been a bit of a different game. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's equally difficult when you're a striker and you've got 10 men behind the ball. And it was, uh, it, it was scrappy. He wasn't able to show much of his skill set. Do you think you'll play for England again? Um, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, you're always going to get injuries. Um, I can't see him being, let's say, you know, a first choice when you've got, um, let's say, Kane there. But I can certainly see him being called up into the squad, maybe getting some minutes as a substitute. Um, but as a, you know, I, I suppose... If you look at him when he's playing for Leeds, um, what the opposition will always try to do is to cut off the distribution to him. And uh, obviously, I think that was Andorra's tactic as well. Yeah, I think personally that um, this was a good experience for him to get into that England squad, to get into that environment, to train with them. Three matches, played in one um, and just to get the whole buzz of that whole international environment, I think would have made him hungry for more. And I think he knows now that he's going to need to have a brilliant season in the Premier League if he's going to have any chance of getting into the World Cup squad. And um, that will be good news for Leeds because he's going to want to go and bang in 17 to 20 goals again this season. Um, which I think he's going to have to do to get ahead of, um, say, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who's clearly the second-choice striker at the moment for England. Mm-hmm. And, and so that for Leeds is really good, and I think for Bamford's development will also be very good. 
the fact that he's had a taste of an international experience, but he knows that he's going to have to step on the gas to have more of that in the future. Yeah, with Bamford, he's also a very unselfish player. So there's been a couple of instances this season where he could have gone one-on-one with the keeper, but has decided to square the ball. Uh, I know that, obviously, he set up Klech um, a couple of weeks ago um, for well him just to... well. Uh, just to kind of uh, flick it over the over the keeper. Whereas if he wanted to be selfish, he could have uh, he, he could have challenged the keeper one on one. Exactly the same on international duty. You know, um, the ball came to him. Um, uh, there were a couple of occasions where he set up um, other players to take a strike at the goal. And how unselfish is that on your first cap? Yeah, so I, you know, I'm. I think he did okay. He had his run. Um, more importantly, he had that week with the England team in that environment, understanding how the whole international scene works, getting that little taster, and going. You know what? I want to get back into this groove. I want to get back onto that bus with the England squad, going to Wembley to play an international match, and I think that will drive him on to do much better this season. And let's hope he starts on Sunday against Liverpool with, uh, with a rousing performance. Yeah, yeah. Um, he scored um, uh, last term against, uh, against Liverpool, didn't he? Yeah, he did at Anfield. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, there's absolutely no reason. Um, he's sharp. He, he's got all the movement. And... Um, you know, now with uh, Dan James, we've got a game changer. So hopefully um, with those crosses being pumped into the box, uh, Bamford can get on the end of them. Yeah, let's hope. And, and as I say, I think that he's going to be pushing really hard um, to, to get as many goals as he can now to um, have an international career now that he's been in and around that environment. So it's not, it's not as if he's still on the outside looking in. He's been there. He's got the tracksuit. Now can he get back in? That's the key thing. So I think it's going to be good for Leeds. I think it's a real positive thing that Southgate gave him a chance. And, um, yeah, let's see um, how he pushes on from there. Yeah, couldn't agree more. One last thing, Matt, then. Um, Bielsa and a bit of criticism is coming for, um, apparently... I think it was Phil Hay that said something about him. Yeah, I think it was along the lines of Leeds weren't um, strong enough against Burnley, um, fierce enough, intimidating enough, um, uh, was the criticism Phil Hay had of, had of Bielsa's team. Would you agree with that? I would, actually. Um, on that day, Leeds can be a match for any physical side, but I did feel they were um, out-muscled, let's say by Burnley. Um, saying that, uh, obviously, Burnley don't have the natural talent which Leeds have, and uh, to make up for that, they are more physical. However, I did think that uh, Leeds should have, um, should have given it back. Uh, you know, uh, it's interesting you say that because when we look at the Everton game, Everton were really physical against us, which surprised me. Um, and I think that that was part of their game plan was to uh, negate Leeds' um, effectiveness at, at breaking quickly and playing quickly was to get really get stuck into them. We know that's the way Burnley play. The fact that Leeds stood up to Everton so well, I was surprised that 
we were a little bit more standoffish against Burnley and, and didn't physically battle them um, as much? Well, we are a naturally attractive side to watch now. And um, obviously with the sliding tackles, with the, uh, with the kicks, the stamps, the, the dragging to the floor, um, obviously it's all put into place to delay um, an attack, to, uh, to, to bring a player off the ball or to, um, or to hold momentum. And um, they, they did it well. Yeah, and I think that was Bernie's plan, wasn't it? To try and break up players as often as possible so there's no rhythm to the game. And we know how Sean Dyche sets up his teams, you know, very physical, get it into the box and then play off the, off the scraps from there and um, exactly the way that they, they got their goal. But, um, yeah. you, know, um, I, you know, I hate criticising Leeds, I really do. Um, but I think I understand where Phil Hay is coming from in terms of saying, you know, that Leeds need to front up a bit more. Yeah, um, I think he was also saying that there was a, a lack of wit and um, questions very much what happens when um, Patrick Bamford gets isolated, which yeah. more and more teams are you know, looking to do, obviously. Yeah, I don't think there was really a lack of wit, to be honest. I think one of the issues we had was that our wingbacks weren't getting beyond the, the, the forwards enough, uh, trying to get to the byline enough, which is when we're really effective. And also the fact that um, Rafinha in particular was cutting in a lot, um, you know, coming inside a lot. And yet when he showed that when he stayed out wide and went one-on-one against his man, he caused, he caused trouble, you know, and that's how the equaliser came about. And I think the lack of width wasn't because there wasn't width in the team, but maybe just wrong options were being taken and players were being forced inside a lot more. And I think part of that is also down to the fact that, um, you know, we missed Mateus Click in that game and um, he, w- he would make those runs into those midfield spaces and um, instead we found our wingers coming in more into those midfield spaces. Yeah, and obviously it's a lot more difficult when they get 10 men behind the ball, which they did at every opportunity when Leeds uh, launched an attack. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. But it doesn't seem that we do it when a team attacks us. It seems that we've got a line of defence and maybe Calvin Phillips. Um, it just doesn't seem It just doesn't seem that we have that same... Um, intensity to uh, to defend uh, as other teams. It just always seems that when we go on the attack, every single member of the opposition uh, gets behind the ball, and it's so difficult to break down. It's also obviously because leads are built on the counter attack, so it's always good to have one or two available for the out ball, and then crack on from there. Oh, one or two, definitely. But uh, when you've only got your defence, maybe Calvin Phillips, um, you know, and they're getting forward in, in their drones, um, uh, well, we can't even be outnumbered. Whereas uh, when we go on the attack, I'm not talking about our counters because our counter-attack is brilliant. But when we generally go on the attack, they get multiple, let's say, two lines of four. 
um, behind uh, uh, behind our attack, and uh, it's really difficult to break down. I, I remember when I discussed the game with you beforehand that, you know, I said I can feel this is going to be a really hard game. Burnley early in the season at their ground, they're still fresh, they've still got lots to play for. Always going to be a, a, a tough ask, and and at the time I said I'd be happy with a point away from home, and um, you know so it turned out. And um, you know I mm. thought we did I thought we did okay on the day. Um, they they were really nasty, really really nasty. Um, and <laughs> it's never an easy place to go, but um, this time last season we beat them four 0 at their place. And we also beat them at Ellen's Road. Both times they didn't score. So, you know, this time, you know, a score draw, you know, and, you know, we were pretty lucky, I think. Um, you know, Bamford was instinctive. It was a, it was a great poacher's goal. But um, I have to say that um, I, I think we were a little bit fortunate. Fortunate but deserved, I think, at the end of the day. And also, I think if you look at last season, um, the game at Ellen Road could have gone either way. It was similar to the one that we had at Burnley uh, now in, in the draw. Um, and also the game at their ground, they had nothing left to play for. They were safe um, and their players just decided not to run anymore in the second half. And that's why they got an absolute, you know, that's why they got an absolute Canaan. <laughs> but, you know, happy with the point at Burnley. Um, so how do you think we're going to shape up for the rest of the season, Matt, now that we've got uh, that wing wizard Dan James in our side? Do you think he's going to help us push on? Well, without a doubt, um, he's strengthened the team because he can change games. Um, I, uh, I'd like to think that we would finish in the top half. And if we have a top half, we've done really well after a shaky start. Yeah, top off. I would happily take top off right now. Well, Matt, thanks so much for joining me on this uh, podcast today. And um, I hope to speak to you again soon. And enjoy the game on Sunday, mate. Yep, you too. Many thanks. Cheers, mate. Bye. Mm-hmm.